ears to hear and a heart to obey. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. So last week, Rabbi Michael uh, began our new series entitled Thankful Living as he spoke on the topic of contentment. Without contentment, it is hard to live a thankful life. And today's message is entitled Thankful Living is a Celebration. So I want to start out by looking at Tehillim Psalm 100. So you can follow along on the PowerPoint or you can look in your tree book or your ebook, Tehillim Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So we see in this psalm that the psalmist and Adonai through the psalmist is encouraging us about thanksgiving. And he is connecting thanksgiving to this whole concept of celebration. And this psalm is a psalm that is familiar to many of us. There are actually several songs that we sing here in our congregation that are based on the, these verses here, and maybe you recognize them. And sometimes, when, with the familiarity of the scripture and the topic of thanksgiving, it can be harder for us to appreciate to explore and to receive a new inspiration from it. But my prayer today is that you would have a heart to hear what God is saying and that from this message, change would take place in your life in a positive way. So when we look at this psalm, the first thing we see is that there are seven actions that we are commanded to do in this short psalm. They are to shout for joy. They are to worship the Lord, sing before him, know that the Lord is God, enter his gates, give thanks to him, and worship him. And when I read this psalm, immediately I think of celebration. I see a huge crowd of people coming together and a big party type celebration before the throne, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that is what Thanksgiving is about. Living a thankful life is living a life of celebration. And so I want us to look at how we can uh, uh, incorporate that into our life. And the first thing is to understand that celebrating, like everything else in life, is a choice. It is a choice we get to make. But unfortunately, often the weight of life and the burdens uh, that we carry can hinder our celebration. You know, to be honest with you, uh, sometimes I simply don't want to shout for joy. And I don't want to worship. In fact, sometimes I actually feel like crying. And occasionally, occasionally, I feel like having my own little pity party. Anyone else that have been there like that? So that happens to me sometimes. Yet each and every day, I get to choose. I get to choose what I'm going to do with myself in every area of my life. And when it comes to thankful living and celebration, I get to choose what I do with my thoughts, with my feelings, and with I, my emotions. Rob Shaul puts it this way in Colossians 1.7. Everything you do or say, 
everything you do or say, do in the name of the Lord Yeshua, giving thanks to him through God the Father. Everything you do. That's why we're talking about thankful living. Thankfulness is not something that is just done one day of the year when we bring the turkey out with all the trimmings, <laughs> which is coming up soon. And so that's why we chose this theme for the month, month of November. But thankful living is an everyday event. And God wants to encourage us that that's how it should be for us. So listen to this story that I was reading from an article. And it's about the woman, uh, uh, Francie Swartz, in her book, Chicken Soup for the Soul. She tells about a guy named Jerry, who was always in a good mood and always had something positive to say. So when asked how he was doing, he would always say, if I was any better, I'd be twins. Jerry was a restaurant manager who everybody loved to work for because he was so positive. And Francie said to him, I don't get it, Jerry. You can't possibly be upbeat all the time. How do you do it? And he replied, each morning I wake up and I say to myself, Jerry, you have two choices today. You can either choose to be in a bad mood or choose to be in a good one. And I choose to be in a good mood. Oh, it's not that easy, I protested, Schwartz writes. Yes, it is, Jerry responded. Life is all about choices. Well, several years ago, Jerry's restaurant was robbed. The thieves panicked and shot him, and he was rushed to the emergency room, and he spent 18 hours on the operating table and several weeks in intensive care, but he survived. And later, she asked him how he did it, and he said, when I was lying on the floor, I remembered I had two choices. I could choose to live or I could choose to die. I chose to live. The paramedics were encouraging, but when they wheeled me into the emergency room and I saw the looks on the faces of the doctors and nurses, I got really scared. Because in their eyes, I read, he's a dead man. And I knew I needed to take action. And there was a big burly nurse shouting questions at me and she asked, are you allergic to anything? Yes, I replied, and the doctors and nurses stopped working as they waited for me. Bullets, I answered, and over their laughter I yelled, I'm choosing to live, operate on me as I am alive and not dead. And Jerry lived, thanks to the skill of the doctors, to his attitude and to the grace of God. And the article goes on to say that Francis Schwartz says, I saw Jerry six months after the accident and I asked him how he was doing and he, was, he replied, if I was any better, I'd be twins. And much of life, the article goes on to say, is determined not by circumstances, but by personal choice. It matters how you choose to live. And so I challenge you, the article concluded, to begin to make a personal choice and decide that you're going to rejoice in the Lord no matter what. And God is using this little four-week series to challenge us to choose to have an attitude of thankfulness, to live thankfully. It is a choice that we each get to make. Just like Jerry, we can choose, get up every day and say, today I'm going to live thankful. 
Today, I'm going to celebrate who God is. Tehillim Psalm 31, 7 says, even during this crisis in my soul, the psalmist says, I will be radiant with joy. In other words, no matter what's going on inside of me, even if I'm being bombarded, even if my heart is heavy, even if my soul is in turmoil, the psalmist says, I will be. That's an act of his will. That's something he is choosing to do. I will be radiant with joy. Friends, that's the same choice you and I get to make every day. We can choose to live thankfully and to celebrate the goodness of the Lord. The psalmist also says in chapter 104, verse 34, I will rejoice in Adonai. We can see that phrase repeated over and over again, actually, in the book of Psalms. I will rejoice. I will sing. I will worship. I will praise. All of that indicating he's making a choice. Friends, simply put, put, put we must activate our will. We have to engage our mind and emotions and make the choice to celebrate with thanksgiving. Like Jerry, each and every day and every moment of our day, we are making choices. In October, I spoke on choices in the, in the youth group, and I had found this statistic, which I think I shared before here, but each day we all make, it says, 35,000 choices within a day. Think about that. So every day you're making at least 35,000 choices. And the researchers at Cornell University discovered that 226 of those choices every day are about food. Okay? Now some of us may do a little bit more than 226. <laughs> But 226 of those choices are about food. So think about it. If every day I am making 35,000 choices, cannot one of them be that I'm going to choose to be thankful and to celebrate? I'm going to choose the mood that I'm in. I'm going to choose the attitude of my heart. Out of those 35,000 choices, do you think that we can make one choice as we get up in the morning like Jerry did and say this is a day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. I will be glad. I will celebrate. I will be thankful. Do you think that maybe one of those 35,000, you get the picture I'm drawing here, that one of those 35,000 choices that you are making today, think about that, 35,000 choices you are making today, that one of those choices could be I'm going to choose to be in a good mood. I'm going to choose to live thankfully. I'm going to choose to celebrate. What a difference it would be in our lives. Next, the celebration of Thanksgiving always focuses on God and his goodness. Look at verse 3 in this psalm. It tells us to know that the Lord is God. This is so important because many times we don't really understand who God is or more importantly, we have this intellectual knowledge of who he is, but we don't have this experiential relationship with him. And that creates a problem because in addition to that, the world's portrayal of God is often askew and makes it difficult for people who are trying to sort through all of their emotions and, and come to understand who God is and to experience him on a personal level. But friends, I want to tell you, when you truly know God, when you truly know him, and you understand his goodness, 
and you understand his heart for you, the end result can be nothing but thanksgiving and celebration. And friends, if you don't know him, I want to encourage you that he is waiting for you to embrace him and come into relationship with him. Whether you're sitting here in the sanctuary or you're listening to the podcast, God wants to be known by you. God wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you to understand that he is good. Tehillim 100 also tells us that he is our creator. Just stop and think about that for a minute. God created you. He created me. I started a new cycle of reading here, and so I'm in Bereshit, and in the beginning, right, we just read this a couple weeks ago here, Bereshit, uh, uh, in the beginning, God created, Bereshit bara Elohim et ha-shamayim et ha-aretz, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he created mankind. He created Adam and Chava, and he created you, and he created me. And think about it, we, quote, create things, not that we really create, we make things, Right? Uh, only God creates something out of nothing. We make things. We take times to make special meals for our family, maybe. Some of you are artists and you paint. Some of you uh, like to write. Uh, some of you have a, a beautiful voice. Some of you have the joyful noise section, like me. Uh, but all of these things that we do, we make things right? Uh, maybe for your family, you make little uh, uh, gifts for them, for co-workers and things. And when we make these things, it's because we want to bring joy to somebody. So think about God. He made you to be in relationship with him. He made you because he wanted to experience you as his daughter, as his son. And as his creation, we belong to him. And this psalm, psalm says that we are his sheep, do you know what a shepherd does to his sheep? He takes care of them. In fact, if one is lost, what will he do? He will put the 99 into the pen, and he will go out and search for that one. That's how much God cares about you. You are important to him. You are precious to him. He is your creator, and he is your guardian. He watches over you. And that is knowing him, to know that he watches over you because he cares for you. You know, when my family was out here in August, you know, at the celebration of our 25 years, uh, my younger brother Ralph was asked to speak. And so he spoke on behalf of my family, and, and he spoke uh, an awesome blessing. I had him send it to me, the, the words he spoke. And it was just a great encouragement about our future ministry and God's plans for them. But I don't know if you noticed, another thing that my, my brother said, we are so grateful that God brought Michael into Carol's life to watch over her. And then when we dropped my brothers off to the airport, my older brother, Michael, leaned into the car and said to, I mean, my older brother, John, leaned into the car and said to Michael, thank you for watching and taking care of our sister. Now, why did my brother say that? Because I'm part of who they are. And because they love me and they care for me. And that's just on a human level. How much more God, your heavenly father, 
cares about you and every little detail of your life, even when those details are not what you think they should be. Even if you're facing something you thought you would never be facing, and you're thinking, does God care? Does he understand? Yes, he does. And he wants you to know that he knows what's going on in your life, and that he cares about you, and that he will work on your behalf to help you in that situation and in that circumstance, and that he is working all things together for your good, even when you cannot see it, and that he always brings good into your life. The last verse of Psalm 100 says, for the Lord is good. He is good, he is good, he is good, he is good. My husband said it earlier in worship, God cannot give you something that he is not. He is only good. And he brings good things to the children that he has created and that he loves. It also tells us that his love will never, ever go away. Now, my family loves me, and that was so uh, touching for my brothers to say that to, to my husband and about my husband. And I love my family. I love my husband. I love my children. But my love has its limitations. My family's love has its limitations, but God's love is limitless. And when we know him and we know and experience his love, then it is easy to celebrate and to live a thankful life because you understand that every step of the way, he has been there right beside you, leading you and guiding you and watching over you. And it also says there in that last verse that his faithfulness, his faithfulness will never, ever end. How many are glad that he is a faithful God? I mean, think about it. All the years that you have known him, some of you might be shorter, some of you might be longer, like me. I have known him since I was six years old. Okay, so that is 55 years. And I want to tell you, God is as faithful today as when I first came to know him. And that faithfulness is something that causes celebration and thanksgiving in my heart through the many trials, through the many things that I never, ever thought I would go through as a little girl. And yet every step of the way, every heartache, every hardship, he was faithful and he was there with me. And when I reflect on that and when I know that, when I know that who he is, that he is good and faithful to me, the response, again, is thankful living and gratitude and celebration. Rob Shaul explains God's love in this way to the Kehilah at Ephesus in his prayer to them. And this is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 and 19. And I'm going to tell you now, go to your Bible this week, take these verses, write them out, read them every day, because this is a powerful passage of Scripture. Rob Shaul says, so I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods into your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Messiah will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover what every Holy One experiences 
the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Messiah in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Wow. Wow. Overflowing this extravagant love that God lavishes on you every single day. And when you receive that love, and some of you struggle. You struggle receiving the love of God. And my prayer for you is the same prayer that Rob Shaul prayed for this Kehilah at Ephesus, that you would come to know how great and awesome this love is, and that it would be poured out into your heart as never before, that you would truly understand that extravagant love that would just well up within you. And as a result of experiencing and knowing God and knowing his love for you, thankful living and celebration will be natural, a natural result for you. And finally, celebration of thanksgiving involves valuing the small things in life. So an article I was reading talked about a proverb that said, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one single step. And it went on to say that every man and woman was once a baby. Rivers and oceans are made up of drops of water. The beach is made up of grains of sand. And what would the world be without little things? And they went on to say that many people have failed in life because of an inability to value small things. A penny doesn't seem like much, the writer says. We see trays to take or leave one beside the cash register in convenience stores. But a single cent lost in a cell makes one dollar when there are 100 cells. And one cent gained in a cell is a gain of a dollar in 100 cells. It is looking after such seemingly small matters that assures success for many people in business in particular, and that's what the article is writing about. Small things, we need to value the small things in our life on a daily basis. Let's think about this, some of the small things uh, in the scriptures and how God used them powerfully. First look at Moshe's rod, okay? Think about that, he just had a rod, a staff, right? And yet with that staff, he parted, the Red Sea, that staff brought forth water, that staff turned the, the Nile River into blood. Just a little staff. What's the big deal? But how valuable that staff was, right? Think about the jawbone that Samson picked up, and he used it, this little insignificant thing. Who would have thought? What's the big deal about this little jawbone here? He used it to slay a thousand Philistines. Think about, <coughs> excuse me, think about that small cloud that Elijah prayed that his servant would see. What did that cloud represent? The downpouring of rain that would end the famine in the land or the, uh, the drought in the land. <coughs> think about the five stones that David picked up when he went to face Goliath. Five little stones. What, what could they really do? 
It only took one of them to slay a giant. Think of the little boy's lunch. Five loaves and two fish. Fed thousands of people. I think those people were glad that little boy brought lunch that day. I think when we get to heaven and we meet the 5,000 who were fed, I think they're all going to be talking about the little boy and his lunch. He brought a lunch. We're so grateful he did because Yeshua multiplied that lunch. If that little boy had not brought lunch, where would it, what would have happened? We know God could provide, but he took and used those small things. Think about the two coins of the widow. She dropped into the offering plate. They're small. They seem insignificant, but we need to value those small things in life. Sometimes we're always looking for the big things to happen that we overlook these small things that often can lead to the bigger things taking place. And friends, I believe God wants to encourage us that sometimes we just need to slow down and enjoy the moments in our daily and weekly lives that are passing us by. Who would have thought, right? 25 years in ministry, it seems like just yesterday that we stepped into leading the, the congregation together, right? It goes by so fast. We need to stop to value and appreciate the small things in life. Think of Yeshua and his example. So one day he's traveling through the countryside, going to the next town where he's going to speak and minister to hundreds and thousands. We know there were 5,000 that day when the boy's lunch was turned into uh, baskets full of food. And these parents had the audacity to stop him and bring their children. And the disciples were enraged and upset. The master doesn't have time for this, but Yeshua take time, took time for these little kids. That to the disciples seemed insignificant. No, Yeshua, we need to get on to where you can teach the grown-ups and where you can... But no, those little kids were important to Yeshua. He took time to value them. We need to take time to, uh, to express value for the small things in our life. What small things are you overlooking? See, a celebration of Thanksgiving is one that is able to focus on those on a daily basis. So I was reading about a woman who was celebrating her 104th birthday, and her name was Tamar, and it said when she celebrated her 104th birthday, she credited laughter, the Lord, and the little things for keeping her going. The article went on to say she still finds enjoyment each day in talking with people and taking a walk and reading the Bible as she has done since her childhood. She said, I don't know how long he's going to let me stay here, but I just thank the Lord for what he's given me already. The article went on to say most of us won't live 104 years, but we can learn from her to enjoy the small things each and every day. I know that she did live to at least be 108 years old because she celebrated her 108th birthday in 2012, but I couldn't find any more information on her past that, 108 years old. And she credited to Adonai and to enjoying the little things in life. Friends, we need to take time to enjoy 
and put value on those small things that are a part of our daily life. One of those things is laughter. We need to take time to laugh each day. Sometimes we are just too serious for our own good. We need to take time to laugh. Researchers say that a child between the age of three and five laughs 250 to 300 times a day. By the time you're an adult between 30 and 35, you laugh only about 15 times a day. Wow. From 250 to 350 to 15 times a day. I think we could uh, increase our laughter at little things. And laughter we know is good for us. A whole other study on that. Take time to appreciate your family, your home, your job. Hmm, I don't know if I want to appreciate my job, Rabbi Carol. Take time to appreciate what you do have, right? When was the last time you said thank you to your wife for cooking your meal or for doing your laundry? Or your son, my son sometimes does the laundry in our house. <laughs> you see, we take all these things for granted, yet taking time to express thankfulness and gratitude for these little things. How many woke up with heat in your house this morning? Aren't you grateful for that heat today? Because it was really cold outside. I remember we, we spoke on thankfulness last week in the youth lesson to coincide with this series here. And then we was talking, that they had to draw pictures. You can see their artwork upstairs <laughs> of things they were grateful for. But we was talking about, I said, I remember years ago when Abigail was much, much younger, and we did this on the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, and she says, I'm thankful for technology. Who would think? But you know what? The technology that we have today is something to be thankful for, that you can go over and turn on a switch and lights come on, right? We take for granted. How many ate this morning? How many wish you ate this morning? <laughs> How many going to eat right after service, right? Little things that we need to value and give thanks for. I had food that I could eat today. I ate a bowl of oatmeal this morning. My husband did too, but that's not all he ate. <laughs> he had eggs as well. Being thankful, valuing those small things. You woke up this morning and you could breathe. How awesome that is, right? So God wants us to live a thankful life. And we can do that by focusing on what we do have, not what we don't have. So I want to close with this scripture from Philippians, a scripture familiar to many of us. Philippians 4, 8, Rob Shaul says, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Goes back to my first point, we have a choice. Focus on what you do have in your life. Every little thing, 
and value those things and thank God for it. And it will create this atmosphere, atmosphere in your home and in your life. And daily you will begin to live thankfully. And that is a good place to be. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I'd like for my prayer team to come down, whoever's in the room. I know some are ministering in other parts of the building. But if you're uh, here in the room and you're part of our prayer team, come down. We're going to open up the, for prayer at the end. If you would uh, have any need that you want prayer for, I encourage you to come forward. It's just a point of agreement uh, with you, and uh, it's good to always get prayer. So uh, everyone should come down for prayer. Just a subtle hint there. So we're going to close with the ironic benediction. Uh, Hebrew is this afternoon. Hebrew class is really supposed to be from 2.30 to, uh, from 2 to 3. It got mixed up. People thought it was 2.30 to 3. It's really supposed to be 2 to 3. Your teachers will be waiting for you, though. Myrna and, uh, and Josiah love teaching, so they hung out waiting for you. But it really is supposed to be 2 to 3. And, uh, and then all the other things going on, men, tomorrow's breakfast. So, Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmerecha, Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'ikunecha, Yisimlecha shalom. May God bless you and keep you. May he pour out his blessing on you. May you walk in thankfulness and gratitude every day of your life. B'shem Yeshua. Amen. If you